Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hey everyone, this is Matt Wakeling and you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you for joining me. This is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world and also uh, co-host the Iconic series with my good friends, Rob Rhodes. Hey Matt, hey Gabor. And Gabor Jessica. Hey Matt, hey Rob. Great to see you guys. And in today's episode, we're talking about our favorite pieces of gig gear. Rob, I'm going to hand over to you. This is your brainchild. Kick us off. Yeah, so um, the prerequisite was pick five pieces of gear that you use live in the studio, whatever, but it's essential or it's fun or completely crazy or you just can't do without it, you know, like so. Um, I'll kick off with... These are in no particular order, but number one for me is a Klon-style overdrive Um, and because it just pushes my amp in a really natural way. Yes, it can do a clean boost and it can do that edge of breakup push and you can get, as Josh Scott at JHS likes to use it as a high-gain overdrive. Um, um, So, yeah, it's an essential piece for me because it just kind of elevates my already my amp sound that I'm already really into and it just gives it a little nudge in just in the perfect way because it's that buzzword transparent all of that um but it doesn't change that core tone for me and the hard thing in a in a gigging situation is when a pedal changes your core sound just a little bit too much um for the people that uh I used to have a KTR uh, I recently Stop. sold it. I recently <laughs> sold it. Um, and I've experimented with Klons recently um, and I settled on the MXR Sugar Drive. Uh, oh. I had the Ryra and I just thought it was a little bit too gritty. Um, and in in the past I've had the Soul Food, which I thought was almost the worst overdrive pedal uh, <laughs> I've ever owned. But uh, apart from that, the MXR has been working great and um, nice. it works really well gain stacking with my other pedals, which is important. And, and right. th- there, there is a, an LPD pedal in your future at some stage too once we finally get around to it. But it's, not, it's, still, I still, it's still in there, right? It, uh, it'll, it'll happen, but we need to get an acting gear. What, what's LPD? Uh, Lawrence Petros design. Uh, there's a, uh, he, he does a, a clon clone as well called the Embers. Uh. Uh, and okay. and that's it, it has Rob's name written all over it already. That eventually that will be with you. What's funny about that is one of my favourite Mark Lazotte songs is called The Embers, oh. and uh, yeah, just a nice little tie in there. Well, there you go. All right, what's I your like what's your first piece of gear, Matt? Uh, okay, um, it is the Meadowcaster, which is an early '90s Frankenstrat, and it's pretty much the main guitar I've played for the last thirty years. Oh wow. And boy, is it tired. So, um, <laughs> it's des- it's thank you. It's desperately in need of a fret job. Um, but it's still playing great. It's uh, so in the early 90s, um, I bought it as a spare guitar to my Yamaha Super Strat. It was sitting in Venue Music Parramatta, and someone had put it together, so it wasn't like a brand new guitar. It had a, okay. had a Fender Japanese reissue neck, a maple neck from a 57 reissue. Um, which I hated. It had um, reflex pickups, which were the like a the UK EMG uh, mm. with okay. a mid boost, which I loved, which was awesome. Pretty much, I've changed everything on that guitar now. So I got a Warmoth neck in the early nineties. Um, I didn't know anything about it. 
so much of this guitar shapes what I like about guitars, and I didn't know. So I've got this Warmoth neck, it's got a compound radius, it had medium jumbo frets, and now that's what I really like, just because I've played it a lot. Yeah. Eventually put passive pickups in, I put the PAF Pro in, which I've mentioned on other shows. Uh, Seymour Duncan SSL1, which is a really vintage single coil. I didn't know what single coil I wanted. I, I, I asked Steve at Steve's Guitars, I don't know, what, what do you think? And um, I've loved that pickup since. So it's kind of shaped everything. So, yeah, that's it. It's uh, it's really beaten up. It's a legit relic. And, um, yeah, the Metacast. And I try and make every other guitar I play just sound and feel like it. So I think what's the point? That said, very quickly, I've got two guitars that are right up there now too. I've got a Mark Gosball Strat style, um, which was built in the last year or so, and a Pat Keegan telemaster which is like a um like telecaster pickups in a jazz master style body that's a cool looking um, guitar mm. yeah. it, it is cool i've just got a new iteration of that i don't know if you guys have seen it um we'll put your special glasses on people yeah so super cool and the thing about those two guitars too they're, they're friends of mine these people i've known for a while now and um yes yeah, so there's a nice emotional connection yeah. but yeah just the, just that original guitar that i've played for so long which the warmoth neck didn't have a name on the headstock and people used to say what is it what is it so after about i don't know a few months of that i got a dymo label maker and i wrote matto caster <laughs> and people cool. still look at it nice. and they oh yeah right that's yeah. very nash guitars of you there yeah, yeah. a yeah. little bit they make good yeah. stuff warmoth they make very nice stuff yeah man it's awesome good yeah it's stuff. one of the, the original yeah probably needs a fret job but my my friend and luthier um uh, Gavin Moore says, I reckon we could give it a fret dress. So I think I'll probably give it one more dress before those frets go to the big... Uh, fret heaven. The, fret heaven, <laughs> yes. The big nice. the big shop in the sky. All right, that's me. That's my number one. Awesome. Gabor, what's your number one? All right, well, I'm going to start off then with a guitar with really bad frets now as well. <laughs> so oh. uh, I'm going to... Uh, my, uh, my main acoustic gigging guitar and and it's one of those guitars where i've since i got it and again working in music shops i haven't played a guitar that i liked as much it's just one of those guitars i instantly liked and uh it's my martin omc 28e which is my main acoustic gigging guitar which i reckon about five six years ago uh mark shipton the guy who is sort of a local guitar repair luthier guy who does all my guitar work is is excellent Probably, I reckon maybe even more than five, six years ago, he said, man, those frets, are, you can't do anything anymore. You need a refret. And I go, yeah, 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 one day. It'll, it'll. And there's some <laughs> massive grooves in there, but it still works. And I yeah. had a few months off during COVID where I could have had it refretted, but of course I didn't do that. Um, so yeah, but I love that guitar. It's, a, it's, an, a, so it's an OM um, shape, so it's that auditorium shaped uh Slightly smaller with a slightly smaller waist and thinner as well compared to a dreadnought. OMC, which is a cutaway. So OM stands for orchestral model cutaway. It's a 28, which is sort of one of their um, construction-wise top models. Anything above a 28 is just um, uh, fancier inlays and looks. But from a construction okay. uh, model, it's as, as uh, you know how quality it gets. And E stands for electric. And it was uh, also quick fun fact... It was one of the first guitars that had a uh, Fishman Aura system in it. And it was the mm. first year Martin decided on the 28 and above, they wouldn't cut into the timber anymore to cut a preamp into it. So it has the uh, what's called the Aura Eclipse, which is the, the one on the hall. sound hall, which everyone yeah. hated. But um, I've had um, um, a lot of people and a lot of people that are quite, you know, well-known uh, in the Australian recording uh, industry and world at gigs that I played at said to me, man, that's one of the best sounding acoustic guitars plugged in I've ever heard. Um, nice. And it is, it's an amazing guitar. I absolutely love it. And that's sort of, I, I, yeah, my favorite acoustic guitar with very bad frets. Cool. So you guys, I didn't even put a guitar in my Top five? It's hilarious. That's cool. Well, you um, said anything. Guitars, mics. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and so there'll be number... some other not guitar-related things coming up. 
Absolutely. So for me, uh, number two is a bypass switcher. So programmable, <laughs> programmable MIDI um, nice. expressions out, like changes the channel of my amp. So with so much to do, I really need like a central thing to do multiple things in my rig. I've always yeah. just tap danced and we've all done that. Yeah. But recently with the workload of the band, doing the PA, mixing and fronting the band and playing guitar, I really made a conscious decision to get, uh, you know, a central switching system that does all those things. So yeah. I have it. It changes the channel of my Mesa Boogie. Um, so all with one one switch. Uh, it changes my delay levels from low to, you know, lead levels. Uh, it brings certain effects into my chain based on the bank that I have so my talk box can always be on and I just switch it in yeah. um, and Octavia's and things like that, fuzzes, they can get switched out. So, yeah, that's been a kind of a game changer for me to be able to do that um, simply with one press of a button. I can go from a clean sound to, you know, a really dripping delay um, overdrive, stacked overdrive into the lead channel. So, yeah, yeah that's a, that's one of my favourite pieces of gear. It just makes my life easier, like much yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. Matt, number two. Yeah, pedal board as well. I'm, I'm, I dig my pedal board. It's fairly small. It's like 45 centimetres by 40. Uh, there's three analogue pedals. There's a, a Crybaby Wah. There's a Boss SD1, Super Overdrive. And there's an MI Audio Super Crunch Box version 2. Mm. So that's the analog side. And then digital, I've got a, a HX Stomp. Yeah. And I've, which I love. We've I love all that got thing. one, haven't we? Yeah. We did the HX Stomp crew. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for our <laughs> friends on at Line handshake. 6. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. <laughs> that's right. No one out there. I've also got a, I've got a Boss MS3 which I used for a long time for effects and, and loop switching. Yeah. Um, but I'm, now I'm just using it purely as a MIDI controller for the HX Stomp, and it's unreal. Yeah. It's great as just a MIDI controller. The boss stuff um, is great because it's so super can, – you can program it to do anything. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I used to think when I had the MS3, when I was using it for the, for the tones and for my analog pedals in the loops, I thought, man, it'd be cool just using it as a controller. Although yeah. I – you know, until I got the stomp, I didn't really need it. But, but in that, the the my main I can't live without would be my MI Audio Super Crunch Box. Uh, oh. It's the version two, and um, I had I had one of the really old ones, one of the three knob ones. It didn't really get on with it, but the version two is amazing. So essentially, it's a it's a Marshall in the box. Michael Ibrahim, Australian genius, he yeah. said. It was inspired a bit by the Marshall Governor in that it had a, a dual gain stage, but he really took it to town. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have said that the JHS Angry Charlie is pretty much a super crunch box um, tribute. Is that the polite way to say it? Well, like, yeah, mm. wouldn't put it past JHS, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but what's cool about it, it's got three gain modes and it's got three compression modes. So between those, I can dial in. Like I, I like a lot of gain, but I like it to clean up if I wanted to. Yeah. And I don't like it to be too saturated, which is asking a lot. Um, but you can dial that in. It's got a four-band EQ, which is so good because um, you guys know what it's like. You play in a different room. You just need a little bit more or less of something. Yeah. Um, and I can do that quickly on the fly um, without menu diving into um, some of my digital gear. So, yep, Super Crunch Box. It's just the greatest overdrive slash amp in a box thing um, yeah, that I, I've played. I had one of those for a long time too. Yeah, it's a great pedal. And I had an MI Iron Duke, which is a fantastic amp too, which yeah, I only I recently you, got yeah. rid of. So Yeah, yeah. wow. All nice right. One. So I think we're going to take a break and then we'll come back with uh, Gabor's number two. Woohoo! And, <laughs> number two? He's <laughs> Gabor's number two and uh, viewer questions, hey? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. 
The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cobb. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, we are back with our top five pieces of gear. Gabor, what's your second one? <laughs> My second, but yeah. So you I understand English. I can, yes. I've got a thesaurus here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're whiz kid musicians. <laughs> uh, okay, my second one that I wrote down uh, is, f- uh, well, it was. I think it will kind of go towards a viewer question at one stage as well, but I think it's an essential pedal, uh, which is, mm. uh, I think everyone should have one of these and the world is a better place for these pedals existing, which is the whammy pedal. <laughs> to it's me, only it's a, people are responsible with them it's, well, No, <laughs> you don't, don't be responsible with them That's the whole point Whammy pedals are all about using them at the most inappropriate times That's, the, that's what it's all about I agree <laughs> um, I love the whammy pedal It's just one of those things I think uh, electric guitar boards Pretty much every guitar um, pedal board I've had for my electric guitar rig since the second half of the 90s, whenever the XP100 came out, the, the third iteration of the Whammy, when that came out, oh. I bought one of those. And ever since then, I've always had a Whammy pedal on my pedal board. And I just can't go without it because I, I, I just need, I need, to, I need that pitch to bend, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, Gabor, do you do anything with it other than an octave up? Yeah. Wow! Do you so, do like other stuff? So I do because op- they do other stuff, but no one seems interested in that stuff. No, no, that's a, that's a, half of it is the fun is the, the, the best stuff. So I do, um, I do uh, well live. I do probably octave up, two octaves up, and I do the the two <laughs> octaves down. Yeah, uh, which is the kind of um, um, lonely uh, boy, lonely boy down. You know, yeah. that, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Page, if you watch the unleaded stuff. Um, in Cashman, he, he used that's sort of where I got the down from. He used uh, he went two, uh, two octaves down quite a bit in in some of the stuff he played. Hmm. Um, what, what was he using? He wouldn't have had a whammy pedal, obviously. Yeah, yeah that was the whammy, uh, the original whammy. I think he had in his big okay. um, Pete Cornish board that he had. Um, oh wow! That he had for unleaded when they did the um, well the electric stuff with the orchestra in the in the studio. Uh, but yeah, right, I'm pretty sure right. it was a it was a whammy one in a massive black okay. big Pete Cornish board that he had. Rocking. Um, I've used it quite a bit actually. Um, the pedal steel stuff on it in studio situation is great, just for like a little thing in the background, just oh, to do the yeah. bending from like a a third to a fourth or something like that, or you know, on the harmony okay. settings. Um, the detune is actually pretty cool sounding chorus. Mm-hmm. But one yeah, of the, that is great. Yeah. One of the best things to do in a live scenario, and again, for me, um, it's all about in a live scenario, when you're playing covers, right? And we are, all of us are in the world of playing yeah. covers and you're playing the same crap. I mean, same awesome stuff. <laughs> 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 week in, week out. To me, uh, 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 and I was often, I was sort of the band leader kind of guy. It was sort of, I was the guy organizing the gigs and which is also when I used MIDI switches and loop switches like, like, um, like Rob did because it makes life so much easier. Um, but to me, making the other guys in the band enjoy themselves and, and laugh and have fun is a, is yeah, a very important thing. Yeah, yeah. And one of the best things you can do is, in, in I mean, A, you just do the whammy, the octave thing at very inappropriate times. But the other thing is, uh, and it's awesome, you turn, you go to two octaves. It has to be two octaves, not one octave. You go to two octaves mm. and you randomly put it anywhere like the 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 treadle thing you put it randomly anywhere and you start playing whatever normal pentatonic licks you're playing and then every once in a while you turn it on and off and on and off and it does this weird odd totally atonal (laughs) octave jumps um and it's great and then you look at the other guys and they kind of go what's going on and that's to me that's that's that makes this sort of stuff so try that out and it works with down as well not as much if you do the down octave you've got to play up quite high but okay, um, okay. set it to two octaves up, random any random position, and just kick it on off, on off, on off, on off quickly as you're playing, and you you sound like you're a super shredder dude who may have some issues with 
playing in tune, but that's part of the fun. I thought you were going to say a super shredded dude who may have some issues. Well, yeah, issues in, in multiple ways. Oh, that is but cool. But it's, it's all I'm, it's all I'm playing outside, man. It's like I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. What. absolutely. All right, number three for me is low output pickups. We kind of talked about this oh, in the oh, last yes. episode with um, the true. PAFs. But yep, yep, um, yep. after years of experimenting, I finally settled on low output pickups. So I'm talking 7K output P90s, like low sevens, no more than that. Um, and same with the humbuckers, the PAF style output, no more than like around 8K is about my limit for a humbucker. Um, just because I've found that the tone of the guitar shines through, like to allow, because I'm changing guitars through a show, like what's the point changing between a Tele, a Les Paul, a Flying V, a 12-string if the core tone still sort of sounds the same? You know, like I want that character of the guitar to come out. And after, you know, I've gone through Errors of high output pickups, you know, Steve Vai, Satriani, like um, Bill Lawrence, L500s and all of that sort of stuff. And they, they all have their place. I'm not, you know, I'm not crapping on any of those pickups because they all have their place. But uh, for what I do, the 70s thing, the crunch sound, it's not massively high gain where you still retain the character of the guitar, those low-output pickups and good low-output pickups, like those Lola P90s have just reinvigorated my double-cut special. And, um, yeah, I've had Gretches in the past that I just couldn't play any other guitar with that because they're so high-output, the mm. TV Jones, mm. that, yes, uh, no doubt that they bring out the character of the Gretsch, but they were just so high output. It was almost difficult to get a clean sound or that edge of breakup sound from any other guitar when you'd set that up. So mm-hmm. that's my number three. Matt, what's your number three? My number three, well, can I just say pickups? I'm, I'm, I'm with you, although I've, I've put a slightly hotter output humbucker in the Meadowcaster because I've, I've, I've pilfered the PAF Pro out of that. So ah. we were talking the last show about the PAF Pros yeah. and my single coils are low output too and I really like it. My number three is my trolley. Oh, it's my yes. trolley. I, I often joke it's the best musical <laughs> instrument I've ever bought. It's uh, just a simple fold-up two-wheel trolley. Got it from Bunnings. Uh, if you're listening in North America, it's, it's like Home Depot, I guess. That's what we call Bunnings. Um, and... Yeah, especially when I was doing a lot of weddings in the Sydney CBD. By the time you'd find a car park, you did not want to do two trips to your car. So I'm, I'm all about one trip. I'm a one trip guy. 100%. So on my trolley, um, which is not crazy big, I fit a 2x12 cab. I fit a 1x12 combo. I fit my pedal board. I fit my, my leads packer case. And then on my back, I fit two or three ba- guitars on gig bags. Oh, and then I shove a, a three guitar stand on top of just all the junk on my trolley. Yeah. And and uh, uh, as long as it's as long as the the angle of any hill is not too steep, I can wheel in and out of most gigs in one go. So you need a little yeah. add-on to that too, Matt, because you need um, ratchet straps or oki straps. Oki straps. Well. I was going to say you need the oki straps, don't you? Can't have a trolley some without oki them. straps. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of been doing it without it lately, but um. But that's just a midlife crisis thing. I'm trying to be a bit edgy. <laughs> Some people think, get sleeve tattoos. Other people don't use hockey straps. <laughs> I think one might, might have one might have flicked you at some point, and now you're a bit afraid of them. Is that what happened? That's that's the real story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm not edgy at all. I'm afraid. <laughs> I did have a metal zone. That was my midlife crisis pedal, though. Some people buy Ferraris. Some people try. To incorporate a metal zone. All right, yeah. that's that's me. That's my number three. Oh, nice, Gabor. Well, speaking uh, of the metal zone, three. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he's got one for sale, folks. There's one just over there. Um, okay, my my number three, my third one is is kind of a little bit lame, but I just really like it. My my mixer, which is a QSC Touch Mix sixteen. Um, 
I love that thing because it's uh, it, back in the days, right? Back in the uh, in the days of of yore. Is it days of yore? Yeah, the days of yore, the olden days. Um, I used to have a small mixer that I used to carry around for my solo gigs, and then I used to have a big mixer that I used to carry around for band gigs. Now, the QSC TouchMix 16, and I'm not sponsored in any way by them, um, it's small enough that I can take it to solo gigs. It, it comes in like a, almost like a laptop case, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's small with a touchscreen on it, mm-hmm. but it has 16 channels in it. So I can do, um, I can do uh, solo gigs with it, no worries, because it's n- not big. But if I do full band gigs, I can have up to 16 channels in it. It has eight monitor sends, two of which are, uh, have little preamps in it, so you can run your in-ears directly out of it. Um, which is killer. So, and uh, then you can have a whole bunch of iPads or phones directly connected to it. Um, so everyone can do their own mixes on their own iPads or their own. Most people have iPads now at gigs, you know, in front of them. Um, they can do their own monitor mixes, especially when it's uh, in-ear monitors. They can, and you play at a venue regularly. You press store, done. And all you do when you get to the same venue is you. Roughly put everything in the same spot, press recall, and Bob's your uncle. So that's, to me, uh, It's since I've gotten that, super um, amazing piece of technology. Yeah, I'm the nice. same, but I use a Soundcraft UE24R. The rack, so, is that the rack thing? Yeah, it's like but, a four-unit rack thing, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, same thing. It's got 20 um, mic pre's in and... Yeah. Um, up to ten auxiliary sends, as well as your left and right main outs, and yeah, yeah, uh, that that has been a godsend for me because I've always been, you know, big mixer rack with compressors and EQs in it, and this does away with all. Oh, of and that. it's got all the yeah. effects in it as well. You've got reverbs yeah. in it, you know, limiters, yeah. compressors, gates. Yeah. Uh, uh, each each auxiliary has its own full thirty-two band EQ, and it's just it's yeah, yeah. wow, it's awesome, nice, killer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a good. That's a good one to have, um, Matt. Ah, uh, no, it's me, isn't it? Number four. Number four. Yeah. Oh, should we jump in with a listener? Yeah, question? that's yeah, a good idea. Yeah, good idea. All right. This comes from Steve Waxman. Now, Steve is a Canadian. He's awesome. Um, he's been involved in artist management and A um, and R work with major and independent labels. Um, Steve helped me get Shane Verold and Philip Sace on, on my podcast. So oh, I'm forever in debt. Um, both amazing guitar players. So really cool. So his question is, what is an essential pedal for everyone that everyone should have that's not a tuner? It's not a tuner. Well, I think I've answered that question uh, with my number two. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's a whammy pedal, absolutely essential pedal for all before-mentioned reasons. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was short and sweet. That was great. For me, this is really hard because you have to assume that the amp has or doesn't have reverb, a good natural tube overdrive or channel switching. Um, and always go to a pedal that can do more than one thing. So Gabor, yeah, that's the, the whammy's great for that because it can – can do crazy and it can do chorus. So, um, yeah. and if we're leaving out multi effects units like the Line 6 M5 or HX Stomp or Keeley Workstations, Tech 21 Fly Rigs, or the Boss mm. Core, I don't think I can go without a delay. So, um, I would go with the Boss DD500. Ooh, okay. If I was selecting a single delay, just so the fact that I can get delays, reverbs, and modulations out of it, yeah, um, nice. I can store presets and I can also, at a pinch, do loops with it. Um, so I could, you know, do an acoustic gig quite easily with the DD500. My second choice would be some kind of dual overdrive, you know, something that I can gain stack into the other side. So currently, my I'm doing that with a full tone GT500, um, but you could use a uh, ZFX box of rock if you've got that Marshall style sound. But yeah, um, yeah that would that would be my go to essential yeah, pedal. Nice. For me, um, I'm thinking some kind of overdrive, distortion. Um, 
I, ideally, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm probably going to repeat myself too. Like the reason I like the super crunch box is that it can go super high gain if I want. I can dial it in to be really light. Um, so it depends on what you need. And also, I guess I should mention too, it responds really great to the volume knob of my guitar. I'm always working that. So that to me is like multi-gain stacking just on the guitar like how much signal i'm sending into the pedal plus i love stacking stuff like rob says one thing i learned getting older uh, and playing for a bit longer was that um, often a good clean sound has a little bit of dirt on it and can be far more dynamic and responsive <clears throat> than a absolutely squeaky clean clean sound although that can be great as well but i remember when i was young i either had a really heavy distortion sound or super clean and Neither sound was particularly versatile. Mm. Um, what I'm finding these days, I, I could probably happily gig with just that super crunch box and, and something to stack into the front of it. So a super overdrive for me. So it is that. cool because I reckon if I took my Fillmore 50, my Mesa Boogie out with a foot switch, I could happily just throw a wire on the ground. And yeah. use that amp with a wah pedal, and that's it. Because you, because you're an amp distortion guy, hey. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm not using it like that. I'm actually live because I need the versatility. I'm using the clean channel, both clean channels okay. of the Mesa Boogie, um, yeah, basically nice. cloned of each other with one louder for lead nice. and rhythm. Because I mean, I mix my, I mix the band as well. So mm. yeah, which takes quick, me. Um, oh yeah, go. Oh, just quick round, round table. What was everyone's first pedal? Mine was Rob? a crybaby. Mine was a, yeah, Jim Dunlop crybaby. Nice. Was that in the days when you could only get one Jim Dunlop crybaby? Yeah. GCB <laughs> yeah. 95. Didn't have the, 95. the 45 signature ones. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good. How about you, Gabor? Well, for me, the first one I bought uh, was the um, Zoom 505. Uh, multi-effects but the first one a friend of mine lent me was a ds1 so the ds1 was actually the first pedal i've really ever ever used but then the yeah. first one i actually bought uh or did my, my, i think my parents maybe bought it for me was the zoom 505 you are a 90s cool. kid oh yeah oh yeah what was yours <laughs> matt <laughs> mine was a boss ds1 got it second hand in 1986 out of the trading post so it was an mij one mm. um I lost the box. Um, I sold it for 30 he bucks. He lost the box. <laughs> I, I've still got the manual, which makes me sad whenever I see it. He's oh, got the manual. That <laughs> and because it's because it was a made in Japan, like now, like cash-wise, like yeah. I could have sold it for like 120 easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> easy. See, that was it, that was my the next one I bought. So I, I was a friend of mine lent me a DS1, then I bought the 505, and then I yeah. bought a DS1. So that was, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right, cool listener question. We're going to do one more at the end of the show as well. Ooh, so stay, be cool. stay tuned. Back to you, Rob. Awesome. So my number four, and this is, um, I'll explain why, but my two notes cab M, this little box with the oh, people that have the special notes. camera. Guillaume, Guillaume is the man. Guillaume is the man. Um, after years of, you know, again, having to play and mix and putting a microphone in front of an amplifier speaker, because um, I don't use modelers, um, this just enabled me to take away basically sound checking my guitar. Like I know that if I get the sound I want coming from the amp, that the cab M with the 212 open back high watt cab that I use in that, it's going to sound the same at every gig. Yeah. And I really only have to, depending on the room, I might just have to take some high end or low end away. But if I get my amp sound right on stage, I never have to change that. I never have to worry about it. The amp yeah, wow, plugs cool. straight into it between the head and the cab and it runs straight to the PA and it's always the same. Um, I don't have to worry about the guitar mic if I'm really close to the drums that it needs to be isolated yeah. or it's picking something up or, yeah. you know, I turn around to grab a drink and kick it over and don't realise. Um, all of those things. So, again, it takes all of that worry out for me and it's just been an absolute revelation and I came up with the way that I came up with the sound that I liked was I just set it up in here and ran it into my door and went through every cab and then just oh that one sounds horrible <laughs> listening back through the PA 
and then just basically got it down to three or four and then picked my favorite and went, well, that's the one. And then I bought a second one. So this is my backup. So it's cloned off the first one. So if anything ever happens and I need to get it repaired, I just put that one into my rig and away we go. So, yeah, that's my number four. Nice. They actually sound just just quick 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 side note. They sound great even if your amp goes down. If you just plug all your pedal boards straight into it with the power amp simulation in it. Yeah. Even just that power amp because it's got cab and power amp emulation. Well, that's the, the thing. VA, they sound I've got, killer. Yeah, my backup rig is the HX <clears throat> Stomp. I've got some um, you know patches written into that. They can yeah. just plug straight into this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I get that consistency. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Matt, number four. Number four. Well, as a young musician, I was notorious for having bad leads, no spares, not enough strings, not enough anything. Um, so gradually I, I improved that sort of thing. <laughs> so now I've got like a little Pelican-style case. I call it my leads packer. It's actually got spare power supplies, lead strings. Uh, it's got a little DV Mark 50-watt head. Um, I've only blown that amp up twice in my life on a gig. Uh, they were the worst nights of my life. So um, mm. that sort of thing. Now I've got the HX Stomp, same as you. I've got a few things to do if the amp blows up. Um, but in that little case, I've got a, a Rode microphone thing. I'm shaking into the mic for the people. If you can't see this, which you can't, you'll be able to hear it. It's a pen's case. And in there, I've got... Uh, Hang on, let winders. people guess by the sound of it shaking what was in it. Okay, what's this? <laughs> it's a string winder. What's that's that right. sound? <laughs> What's this? Oh, Little wow. Bag of spare fuses. <laughs> fuses, yeah. yeah. For when I blow the amp up. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. Little Allen keys. Got a little uh, multi-tool here. It's like a Swiss Army knife, except it's an Australian Army pliers multi-tool. Oh, cool. A mate of mine used to work in the ADF and got me that. So just stuff like that. Um, there's some Panadol. Um, for when I'm rocking too hard. Um, there's a, a nail, nice pink emery board wow you know when you get to a gig and your nails just a little bit long yeah you know so it's pretty it's not exciting it's not glamorous that pencil case but it, it's just got lots of little things that make me feel like everything's going to be okay if you know if i forget something or you know if i need to fix something or whatever so. i'm very similar i've got one like that matt i've actually got two because there's the pa one that has yeah, like spare yeah. ethernet cables and um ipod leads because they always break first those oh, yeah. little things and then there's screwdrivers and allen keys and yeah, all kinds yeah. of things and then i got my guitar one that has two capos in case you know one doesn't want to work well, one works good with spec, the acoustic uh, yeah, spare and, capos very important yeah picks and all that sort of stuff so yeah well i'm i'm definitely with you there yeah Kabor number four number four well we've talked about it a little bit already but um the hx stomp so for me the uh, it, it is it has become just one of those things that just it's just really really good to have it there when you play electric guitar gigs um so i have a whole bunch of patches um where i just use it for effects if i run into an amp if there are some venues that don't particularly want you to use an amp on stage. Uh, I have patches where I have amp sims on it and can just go straight into the PA. Uh, if I feel really adventurous, I have some stereo patches even uh, with two different amps on either side. <coughs> just, you know, to, for when I feel Why adventurous. Why not? But um, you can do just about anything with it. And and it's it's the, the routing options for how small it is are actually really quite powerful as well. I mean, you can do the thing, and I have done it before, um, where I've gone, you know, you can assign the, the effects loop send as your normal guitar output. So it goes to guitar, goes, bypasses all the amp sims and goes into your amp on stage for an onstage sound. And then it direct outs, the left and right direct out, have amp sim on it, and you go straight into the PA. Um, you know, so you can have an onstage sound, you can have, it's just, you can do just about anything with it. And yeah, I yeah. think, especially lately, recently, in the last maybe two years, the updates have gotten really, really good. The, the firmware updates, there's always some really cool new sounds that they um, introduce. The amps are getting really, really good. I found the last two firmware updates, particularly the, the Princeton amp that they released, and then the latest one, I forgot what it's called, but it's sort of a 
their own take on an amp. Really, really good sounding amp sims. Um, you can load your own IRs in it if you really want to do that sort of stuff. But I find the ones on there are usually pretty good. So yeah, to me, it's as a as a as a gigging musician who now went from a massively stupidly gigantic pedal board down to a little boss what is it the bcb 1000 um pedal board uh it's just an an invaluable tool i mean to me it's it's it it does it can do just about anything i wanted to do cure yeah i think we're all in the same boat i use mine so Mm -hmm. many different ways from the four cable method to now I'm using mod- separate modulation pedals and just running it into the effects loop for delays and reverbs. Yeah. But then for my acoustic gig, it switches in line with my switcher. So then I'm using it for boosts and modulations and delays just for the solo acoustic gigs. So, yeah. so super nice. versatile. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. pedal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the size of it, it's so small. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. We're at number five. So so this one's like for the tech guys and for, and and I'll explain the reasons why I picked this. Like I didn't pick any guitars or any amps or really any specific pedals, but um, just from a gigging perspective, um, one of the great tools I found is a mic splitter. Now you can get (laughs) a single mic splitter or you can get a rack mount eight you know, like a radial or a Behringer one um, that splits eight ins to 16 outs, so two outs per thing. So this, what I use this for, it's essential for anyone who might have to do walk-in gigs with in-house PAs or you use in-ears and you want to do your own mixes. Um, The ability as a singer to be able to do my own monitors um, it's an absolute lifesaver because poor monitors can just destroy your voice quicker than Drano. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and um, Drano is pretty quick as well. Yeah, it is. It's well, like that's good. you need to call in sick, <laughs> you know, that's it. Um, so it's I don't use in-ear monitors, but it's a really good tool. I know a lot of guys that use splitters to do their IM mixes. Um, so you can mix your own send and you don't have to stress about trying to communicate to somebody getting your levels right and then some overzealous person blows your ears out by, you know, accidentally leaning on the iPad or the fader. Um, So, yeah, as a singer, the monitors are the most important thing to a healthy voice and I just just can never risk that to somebody else again. Um, And when you've got so many other things going on, that communication is always difficult. So... To be able to have a mixer, a splitter, and recall, you know, your EQ for your mic, um, that a mic splitter is great. And I've got a little single channel um, Proco one. So if I just walk into the gig and I don't want to bring my mixer and all of that, and I just want to plug my mic into the back of a monitor powered wedge that I know is going to sound good. Um, I can just split straight off there and plug right into the back of a monitor. Yeah. And it's really simple. <laughs> I can control my levels, whatever. But then I've got the eight-channel one that I can split my guitar. I can split the kick drum and all that because yeah. I really like kick drum in my wedge. Um, I'm like weird like that. I don't want guitar in there. I just want voice and kick drum. And um, so I can make that happen for me and make any environment the perfect environment for me as a singer. So, yeah, Mike Splitter, number five. Interesting. Nice. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Matt Wakeling, number five. All right. Again, not that, not very glamorous. It's These are my ear filters that I'm waving at the camera now. I've used ear filters on and off, but when I got what's my regular gig for the last few years, the Cold Chisel show, um, man, that's so loud. I remember walking into the audition and the bass, the long-term bass player said, yeah, it's a bit loud in there, man. And I'm like, yeah, no worries. <laughs> and I'm like, I know what loud is. I'm cool. Then they started playing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it was loud. So, um, And I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. I get to play loud guitar every weekend just about, which is cool. But I really need the filters because my ears get yeah. get smashed. Or even on even on the quieter cover, um, cover band, top 40 sort of bands, on a tiny stage when you're right next to the 
the drums and there's a hi-hat right near your right ear or something. Oh, the right cymbal. Um, That's always the one that killed me. That's Yeah, uh, whatever side, hey. So just stuff <coughs> like that. So, yeah, I started using filters. And um, sometimes I've used just one. So if I'm on stage right, I'll put the left filter in. Um, but even if I do that, by the end of the night, driving home, my right ear feels a bit tired. Mm. Um, so, so are they molds, so, Matt? Is that what you got done? No, nah, just... Nah? No, I didn't get molds. Um, this brand's called Eraser. Um, just just out of the factory, but they fit really well. They're yeah, really cool. comfortable. I think I lucked out with these ones. Yeah, you don't want something that hurts your ears, obviously. But um, yeah. yeah, it's cool. And uh, um, obviously, there's in-ear gigs as well. So I guess back to the HX Stomp. I've, yeah, I've got patches for that. Like uh, where I, when I play at church, that's an in-ears thing. Um, the HX Stomp rocks. Obviously, don't need filters plus. In ears, yeah. I could just I could just turn my amp down if yeah. I've got in ears. Yeah. Um, that's what I like um, about in ears. That's one of the things yeah. I actually really got to like about wearing in ears at gigs is that it it filters out everything else. So it's it I, I do I did find myself getting much as ringing in my ears when I started using yeah, in yeah. monitors. Yeah. It's interesting. I've never been. I can't do earplugs because I've got a. I'm always. I'm mixing as well, so I've got to hear the front of house. Yeah, I've got to, yeah. you know, I mix a lot from PFLs, but I still kind of need to be able to hear. And, yeah. and um, so earplugs have never worked for me and, and pretty much the same reason for in-ears. Yeah. It's yeah. um, it's really difficult to, to juggle all those things and jam yeah. something in your ear. Yep, fair enough, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and no, there is a, there is a little bit of a tonal trade-off. Like you yeah. do lose a little bit of top end. So I do sound check without them in, so I'm not overly dialing in my amp super bright just mm. so it feels good for me because it's not going to sound good yeah good tip um, but you get used to it and i can't i kind of like the warmth like if i forget to put them in everything sounds a little harsh yeah so yeah there you go boring but uh but good it's all it's all great information that's what we're that's what we're here for yeah all right and finally the number five from Kabor. For me, uh, well, I was sort of tossing up between two things, <clears throat> but I think I'm going to go for the the, the the one I'm about to say now, which. Uh, <laughs> 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 Ooh, uh, the suspense. Do you like? Do you like? I'm, you know, trying yeah, yeah, yeah. To no, so I was tossing up between my my looper pedal, uh, or this uh, particular pedal, which is the Zvex Box of Rock. I'm going to go for the Zvex Box of Rock. Um. I find if I ever do gigs that are um, gigs with amplifiers, I, I don't have the luxury of being able to turn up really loud. Um, so when I do when I do uh, direct like gigs where plug in direct, no amps, where I use amp sims with the HX stomp, I don't need the box of rock because I, I can do all that with the HX stomp. But uh, going into an amp, I find a box of rock has been one of my absolute favorite always on pedals. Um, and I did one gig not long ago. Actually, I, th- I thought, you know what? I'm not going to p- put the box of rock on my newest, the, the, the Boss pedal board that I just put together not long ago. Uh, I'm going to go without it and to see how I go. And that, it was really, really, really missing. Cause, so the box of rock for me, I always set it up as a, that, like Matt was saying earlier on, that kind of clean sound that's not totally clean, that has a little bit of grit to it. It's like a broken up clean sound, basically, when you can't turn the amp up loud enough to get a broken up clean sound. And to me, it's one of my favorite kind of pedals that does that kind of sound. And it interacts extremely well with all other drive pedals that run into it. So I always have it very last in the chain. And I find with the Boxer Rock, the most important part is you have to have both sides, the drive and the boost on, because the boost gives it a bit of that, that top-end presence that is missing otherwise. Not boosting the volume, just so you turn it off, it's it's the same volume as your amp. But mm-hmm. it just gives it that little bit of drive and a little bit of presence, and then you run other pedals into it, and it just sounds great. It, it really, to me, really sounds like a cranked, clean amp. And yeah, it gives a little bit of amp. more, bit more mids. I, I, I use Fender amps usually when I use amps live, and it gives a little bit more of a mid push as well because it gives it that yeah, Marshall esque nice. kind of thing, which makes it cut better in a mix as well. Because yeah, the boost yeah. side's the SHO, isn't it? On yeah. that pedal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's it's it just has that. Um, it has a s- certain frequencies that c- it's definitely not uh, a, a transparent again under air quotation mm. marks transparent. Mm. 
um, clean boost, it definitely adds frequencies. But whatever the frequencies are, it adds the frequencies that are that just nice, pleasant frequencies. Yeah, I had the SHO as an always-on pedal for a long time. SHO when is I great. Had, when I had Orange Amps and when I used the Marshall Blues Breaker for a few years, yeah. that was my always-on pedal. And then I switched to the uh, Exotic Effects EP Booster as my yeah. always-on. Similar, um, sort of, similar sort of thing. Yeah, yes, it's like a preamp. Yeah. The yeah. Super Duper Tune 1, that was another one that was uh, I used for a little while, which is two... Um, SHO circuits, yeah, but with a master volume at the end. Um, yeah, the Zvex, I love Zvex stuff. That's one of my favorite pedal makers, and just one of those pedals I've used for such a long time. And I, it was really missing that one gig I did without it. And I went, nah, gotta have it back. Yeah, I felt like that with the EP booster when I first took it off. I went, ah, oh, missing it, and then I just worked with it and decided to leave it off. Yeah, but yeah. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up all our top five pieces of gear, essential, fun, or otherwise. Uh-huh. Um, Matt, cool. Matt, you had another viewer question. We do. We do. Um, hey, I'm Ray wants to know what are our, our favorite sets of strings? Gabor. Strings? Yeah. Okay, so with me it's quite easy and, and I've been... Uh, oh, but maybe possibly somewhat controversial on one, one of them as well. So I've, I love Elixir strings. I've been using Elixir strings for, I don't know how many years now, since I first sort of discovered them in music shops. Uh, on electric guitars, I really like the OptiWebs now, which is the, the latest sort of thing, which doesn't have that. It doesn't feel like it has a coating on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I use 11 to 49... Uh, OptiWebs on almost all my guitars now. Some guitars I still use 12s, but Elixir doesn't make those. Um, I used to actually buy um, single strings uh, and make up my own. Um, ah, 12, okay. It was 12 to 52 and 12 to 54 sets okay. that I used On electric? To, on electric, yeah. Um, oh, rock and roll, man. But actually because of COVID, it was uh, most – those single strings I used to always buy from overseas because you can't really buy them in Australia – and with COVID, because shipping took so long um, and was just about impossible for a while, I just bought what was what I could get in Australia, and I just bought eleven to forty nines, and I actually got really used to them now, and I really like eleven to forty nines now. I'm just about on pretty much all my guitars, um, um, in standard tuning. So that's on electrics and on acoustic, which is what I do most of the time. I use Elixir twelve to four, uh, fifty-three uh, Polywebs. Now they're getting harder and harder to find. So you've got the polywebs, the nano, and the nanowebs. And the nanowebs are the phosphor bronze ones, and the polywebs are eighty twenty bronze, and have a thicker coating. So polyweb is a thicker coating, and the eighty twenty um, bronze, and the nanowebs are the thinner coating, which are phosphor bronze. Now, to me, on acoustic guitar, I don't want. The brightness. Everyone goes on about brightness. I don't want brightness. I want the the, the <laughs> richness, the fullness, the warmth, and okay. the probably three times as long lifespan of the polywebs because uh, I don't like changing strings. Um, but they're getting very hard to find. So Elixir, if anyone from Elixir is listening, I want more polywebs. <laughs> 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 but that's my strings, yeah. So uh, 12 to 53 on acoustic and 11 to 49 optiwebs on electrics. Cool. How about you, Rob? Well, I kind of misunderstood the question because when it said favourite strings, I thought, you know, string ensembles. So I had November Rain by Guns N' Roses <laughs> and uh, Tuna in the Brine by Silverchair. Well, did I understand it wrong? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, seriously. Um, um, for me, it'll always be Diodario's. Um, I've gone and tried you know, every string under the sun because I'm like 75 years old and I've been gigging for 20, 30, <laughs> you're, 40 you're years. Good for your age, though. You'd, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> great. And you can still make a flying V look cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and Keith um, Richards are the two 75 year olds that can do it. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, um, occasionally you'll, you'll get a bad batch of strings. They just, you know, they won't hold their tune. Um, so I do go over and try different things uh, and I've tried everything over the years. Um, as much as recently I tried the Kurt Mangan um, nickel, oh, yeah. pure nickels, but to me there's too much tension in those strings. So I went back 
to do Dario's. Um, and it's funny, the time that I met Joe Satriani, we talked about strings. I might have told this story before, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. He said he did exactly the same thing, went and tried a whole lot, and the consistency and the quality control of Dario's. Um, and the price. Obviously, Diodarios are on the cheaper side and I think it's super value for money. Um, I'm so different to Gabor in that I don't like – I'm anti-Elixir. Like I just oh, – sorry, Elixir. <laughs> sorry, Elixir. Um, okay, I'm going to give you the reasons why I don't like coated strings. Number one is they don't last any longer um, for me. No, from a from a breaking from a breaking point of view. Oh, I never break I never break right. strings. So, so I break strings because yeah. I have yeah. a heavy right hand. I'm playing like seventies rock. There's lots of guitar solos. Um, so from that point of view, it doesn't make financial sense to buy a string that costs twice as much for it to last just as long. Um, so yeah, I every three to four gigs, I'm. If I get to the fourth gig on a set of strings, I'll break an E or a D normally. Um, and on is an acoustic, G? is it always the G string? On acoustic, I'll break the G. Um, very rarely on an electric, I break a G, but mostly it's Ds and Es and sometimes Bs. But um, so I'm changing strings all the time. And um, yeah, to, to do that, coated strings definitely have their place. If, you, if you're that player, you don't break strings, they're awesome. Mm. If you've got the touch of death, and your strings last one gig, then coated strings are a must. And I know a whole bunch of people with a touch of death that would be broke if uh, if coated strings didn't exist. I've got to say, though, I use heavy picks, like two millimeter picks. I use these yeah. chicken picks that are too, like thick, really thick picks. I do use heavy strings, though, mind you. I use it like, as heavier, like 11s and 12s. But I have a really heavy right hand on electric guitar in particular. Yeah. Um, but I don't seem to be breaking strings. Maybe elixirs don't break as much? <laughs> uh, no, because I went through that thing and that's why I stopped using them because I was joking, breaking. Yeah. Um, and the other good thing that coated strings are for is if you, if you play at home and you don't pick it up all that time and you put it down in the case for a couple of weeks and pick it up and play it for a few days and put it down, they're really good for that. For like the weekend player um, that just doesn't want to change strings too often and wants them to last, they're really good for that. But the other problem I have is that I always know when to change my strings when I run my finger underneath the D string and if it's all indented, which usually for me after two or three gigs, that all the underside of string is dented from the frets. Mm. They will not tune and intonate properly after Mm -hmm. that. So they need to get changed. So just for me, dear Darius, on electrics, I'm a 10 to 52. And on acoustic, well, on my Yamaha, which is uh, I think I'm doing 12s to 56s. And on my Mini Matins, I do 13s to 56s or 58s, whatever they are. But, yeah, all Diodarios, um, just Just the standard Diodarios. Yeah, okay. yeah, the the phosphor bronze for the um, acoustics, but yeah, just the standard XL EXLs um, on the Diodarios, and yeah, and you can get cool. some really good deals on them. Like, you know, I'm still getting them for about. That's one thing. Strings have doubled in price in mm. three years, right? For a packet, almost. Because I was wow. getting, I was getting standard Diodarios for six to seven dollars a set. And now they're about twelve bucks a set. Um, so I don't have any guitar-related endorsements. Only clothing endorsements. So uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to send an endorsement my way, yes, oh, yes. Elixir. Uh, uh, Elixir. Been trying to get in touch with you for a while. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Nice, nice. Do you really? You have a clothing endorsement? I do. Yeah. Um, English yeah, Laundry, yeah. English Laundry Australia, who uh, make men's shirts, but it's the John Lennon collection. Um, I thought so, you were going so, to say the, the, the Pottsville Op Shop. <laughs> yeah, no. Shout out to Steve at English Laundry, who um, just sent me four from four shirts from the latest collection. Um, 
Yeah, the killer. The the latest one's the called John, and it has the peace signs on it. Um, so yeah, it's killer, and it works really well with the '70s show. And oh yeah, it would yeah. Um, it's been a really a really fun uh, relationship, and uh, yeah, I think I've got a I think I've got a dozen of them now or something, and they're in heavy rotation. Uh, nice. They're great shirts. People should check them out. They actually sell them at. Um, is it what's the menswear store in Noosa there? The longboard place in the Noosa main street. <laughs> yeah, is that <laughs> what it is? Yeah, I, think I think that's, that's what, what it is. is. Yeah, oh, okay, they sell them there. Okay, I got to go yeah, check they that sell out. Them there. That's where yeah. originally I started buying them from. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell them Rob sent you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll go in here. You, 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 Rob, do I just go Rob, friend Rob, of the show? Rob, friend of the Rob show. Rhodes. Rob, Rob yeah. Rhodes, <laughs> hardest working man in show business. Huh. Showbiz doesn't nice. sound the same when I say it. No, <laughs> you need a you need a cape. You need one of the other guys to put a cape on you, and you need to do that. That's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy SNL skits. Yeah, you know it's too hot in the hot tub. <laughs> anyway, Matt Strings. Yeah. Oh, quick and easy. Diodario XL 110s, 10 to 46 gauge. All you Diodario uh, people, you make me sick. I've, I've been. <laughs> <laughs> We're just I've been playing show. them since before they had the color coded ball ends or something. Yeah, oh, wow, really? Me too. So, yeah. yeah, old school. So, yeah, and preferably tuned to E flat if I. If if I can, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, that's about it. I mean, acoustic, twelve to whatever. Um, I don't play much acoustic at, at all anymore. So, yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I've started tuning my acoustics down half a step for solos because, like, being too. so busy. Like we we're yeah. concert, we're in E for living in the seventies, and yeah, ninety nine percent of the songs are in original keys. So I just thought, you know what I'm going to do? For my solo gigs, I'm going to tune down to E-flat and just make things a little bit easier on those, you know, because it's usually the fourth gig of the week or It makes such a difference. It's a huge difference. I've found since I started tuning down to to E-flat, by the fourth gig or something in a week, I'm still able to talk and, uh, you know, sing. Whereas before, it's, it's amazing how much wow. of a difference it makes. Just, it it really, the by the end of yeah. it, I was straining like crazy in, in standard tuning. And you just go down that semitone and it just takes the edge off and it makes gigs so much easier. Yeah, nice. Mm. And I reckon a Strat in E-flat, just because I'm used to it now, it was weird at first, but because I'm used to it, I just love it. If I go back up to E, it's like, I don't know. I do find getting... lower tunings have, have a... They just have something to them that just I I do I do prefer E flat and even D standard tuning. I, I just okay. it's a sounds yeah. it has a certain sound to it that it's just mm. fuller richer sound. I've been investigating. Hey. I've been investigating Fender with a Gibson scale length for oh, that yeah. for that tension and to Torna- st- Fender Tornado. I think the yeah. Tornado's got the Gibson scale length. Yeah. My- Fernandez Strat, so yeah, twenty-four three-quarter. Mm. About the Silver Skies, twenty, like a little bit. It's in between, isn't it? The PRS scale length, in between Gibson and Fender. I think so. PRS is twenty-five, I think. Mm. Silver Sky might be a little different. Um, it's highly innovative, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna look it up. I love it. I love it. The memes. Yeah, All the memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... You know what? Uh, Silver Sky, 25 and a half, it's saying. There you go. There you go. Uh, but at PRS is 25, yeah. But I think the three tuners aside are going to help with the tension. I struggle with Fender yeah, tension. Yeah, different. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why Maya flipped... The PRS headstock, so the G string had a bit more string length on it for mm. for tension reasons. So interesting. All right, I reckon I reckon we're out of here. That, I think great show, Rob. I love that idea of going through our our must have gig gig things. And um, yeah, we're we're playing like you guys playing a lot. I'm playing every weekend, and I'm the slow coach. So you know, this is stuff that we've all found as mm. working for us in the real world. So kind of fun to chat about it and. And realize that, you know, 
You need that whammy pedal. It doesn't matter what you're playing. Get, get a whammy out. Distortion, clean sound, doesn't matter. Whammy. <laughs> Whammy! Oh, I'm going back to um, Anchorman. Whammy! <laughs> That's what he was talking about. Yeah, it must exactly. Be. All right, Gabor, you're uh, you've been awarded the Hugh Jackman Award of, of rock and roll with your your multiple. <laughs> Multiple jobs as, uh, as he's a quadruple threat. Quadruple threat. He's a yeah. quadruple threat. Yeah. There's so many threats. You just you just give up. You uh, just surrender. Especially all the theatre stuff I'm doing. Uh, you know, being a, the greatest showman alive. Um. <laughs> where where can we where can we find out about this couple? Well, you can find me most days on Broadway somewhere. Um, yeah. No, uh, I have a YouTube channel called The Super Fun Awesome Happy Done Pedal Show. Myself and my friend Alex. And we do demos of pedals and amps and guitars and all that sort of fun stuff. And if you want to hear me talk even more and if you want to look at my gorgeous face while I talk, go to the YouTube channel and check it out. Highly recommended, people. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. And Rob Rhodes, the hardest working man in showbiz. Well, yeah, everything is at... <laughs> Everything is at roadtripent.com. So um, R H O D E T R I P E N T.com. Uh, there's a kid guide page there. You can find wherever I am. And yeah, if you need to serve me with papers, you know where to find me. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Noted. Noted. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Guitar Speak podcast and our iconic series. Uh, great to have you with us. And. Uh, I always like to reflect uh, quite somberly on the on the epic words that Michael Schenker told me when I interviewed him back for episode number 150. And he said to me, Keep rocking, keep on rocking. He said, Keep on rocking, keep on rocking indeed. All right, I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Yeah.